When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's time for part two of our Marvel Universe deep dive as Rove returns to help me dig into the new Black Widow movie. My name is Justin Hamilton and I'm done running from the past here on Big Squid. second part of our Marvel deep dive this week. I thought it was only going to be a two-parter, but then I remembered, oh, it's Loki episode five later in the week. So this might be one of those trilogies that wasn't planned. And then you listen to it and think, ah, yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. But anyway, Rove and I have already covered episode five of Loki that came out on Saturday. Today is all about the Black Widow. This is a movie I've been waiting for them to make for a very long time. I'm a Scarlett Johansson fan and... I like Black Widow. I don't think they did a lot with the character to begin with, but I think she kind of developed her over time, mainly through Johansson's performance, to be honest. And I was wrapped that they finally made this, and then it was meant to come out last year, and COVID put it back, etc. blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I don't want to preempt anything in my chat with Rove, but there is a little part of me that thinks, did this come along a bit late? But anyway... Scarlet's great. Uh, I'm a fan of Florence Pugh. I'm also a fan of Rachel Weisz. So I was pretty up for this film, uh, which I did enjoy. But anyway, if you haven't heard the Loki episode, you don't need to listen to it. But I did say on that episode, I was going to tie a theory I had in to the end of this podcast. Uh, I've got some crazy thoughts and uh, I threw them out there to Rove and then when I stopped recording this podcast, I saw another site straight after the recording. I had not seen anything, and I saw another site suggesting the same thing. So I'm feeling like I'm tapping into something that Marvel is laying out. I think I'm excited by that. I think. Is it that clever if I've thought it out? (laughs) No, it means that they're doing it the right way. Anyway, whatever. I could be wrong. Now, before we get into it, if you haven't seen the movie, I'd 
don't want to spoil it for you. So if that's the case, I'd suggest sitting this podcast out until you have caught up with the film. If you don't care about spoilers, then you'll be fine. Otherwise, abandon all hope ye enter as there are spoilers ahead. Okay, I've made that clear, haven't I? I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want you to accidentally listen to this. Right. Now it is time to talk Black Widow. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're going to wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated. Fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. We have to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. You won't win. I've always found it best. Not to look into the past. Okay, you got a plan or shall I just stay duck and cover? My plan was to drive us away. Well, your plan sucks. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. I made my choice. I'm done running. Here's what's going to happen. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get the back hunch. Mm, listen to your mother. Oh, my God. This... Up, up. Listen. All right, enough. All of you. I didn't say anything. That's not fair. So we finally have a Black Widow movie, and it's great to have Scarlett Johansson back in the role. And I, while I was watching this, and I, I have some thoughts that are all over the place with this one, but the first thing I want to ask you is, was it a mistake killing her off? in Avengers Endgame, like was, like, was that Scarlett Johansson's decision to move on? Because I just feel like, like I was, I was fine with Cap and Iron Man being done, but I feel like there's still so much meat on the bone for Black Widow. Yeah, I feel for all of these it comes down to, um, the, you know, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr., quite clearly are two of the, the biggest names in there where – they they don't need the films. Scarlett Johansson, especially, she could have a ton of other roles, whether it's in other big blockbuster type films or some of the the more you know close to those sort of indie flicks that she's critically acclaimed for in the past. So the idea of her being 
tied to something like this, and I don't mean that in too much of a negative sense because I'm sure she loves it, but you can't do it forever. And they come around a lot and and it was starting to become, even if it's a Captain America film, we're probably going to need you. Uh, And while I'm sure your 10th mansion with a multi-storey swimming pool uh, paycheck that comes with turning up in each one is a happy thing to take every time, I think as as an actor there would be a contract that would be ready to expire. They would come to you to say, would you like to do more? And you would say, you know what, I'm good. I'm, I'm good and I'm very happy to move on to other things because also hashtag royalties. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was probably her call. But, yeah, man, I'm glad she – I'll say this. I'm glad that we got this send-off, though, this other little self-contained send-off rather than just jumping off jumping off a cliff. Um, right. in, uh, in Infinity War in Endgame. So I, this yeah. was – this was the send off that that was that was needed, I think, for for her, her character. Yeah. Well, you seem so disappointed. I there, there's things that I really up. love about. No, I, look, I, I didn't like watching it at home for the first time. I reckon it knocks ten percent off your enjoyment because I'm just easily distracted at home. Like whereas in yeah. a cinema, like I'm I'm locked in, I'm loaded. Yeah, but at home, sure. I'm like, I feel like a snack. I might go and get a glass of water. I might go and take my, a shit. My dog you know. was suddenly going, oh, you're home. You're not normally home. You're normally out doing things. Well, why don't you just sit here and rub my belly and I really need to watch this. I've, yeah. <laughs> well, you can, you can still watch and rub my belly. I'm like, okay, I can do both. All, All right. right. Yes. All right. Yes. And then, and then I start right. getting into the film and she's like, <laughs> you're not rubbing the, as hard as you were before. Come on. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> this funny. one, uh, this would have been – wonderful to see on the big screen. And I know there's parts of the country and parts of the world where you still can. Um, I'm like you, I I didn't. Um, But, uh, but I I also feel like it, because this was one that was meant to be out like last year or something. Yeah. I'm also questioning why they, it it seems like they sat on this for so long because I put it out there early. I thought it was really good and I really, really enjoyed it. And I was, I was invested the whole way. So it sort of feels like it was one of those ones that I guess maybe they were just hoping for things to open up uh, in, in the world post-pandemic yeah. sooner sooner than they were. And they were like, this is going to be another one of those ones that we get an absolute truckload of cash for from ticket yeah. sales and could well be the one that returns people to cinemas. So we'll just, we'll just wait on this and keep our powder dry. But, yeah, look, you know, in, in – in short, I'd say it was worth the wait. The uh, I think, like for me, well, I think the reason the movie's coming out now is because, and we'll get to it later. But there's things in this film that mean you can't have some of the TV series come out unless you get this movie out now. So I reckon they would have held off even longer if they could have. Mm-hmm. But then it mucks up their TV schedule. But look. Uh, I've got some positives to say, but for me, there's there's just something about the film that I was enjoying, and it, but it kind of left me a little bit cold, and it was a few things. So one is, this just should have come out after Captain America Civil War. Like, if you bring it out, if you make this movie yeah. after Captain America Civil War, then maybe, Yelena, 
dis- is one of the people who disappears with the snap, which then gives Natasha's sacrifice oh, a little bit nice. more guts in Endgame. Yes. And the movie kind of lacks stakes for me because I knew, well, Natasha's not going to die at the end of it. I know yes. that she's got a sense of family because I've already seen that develop through Avengers Infinity War and all of that kind of stuff. And there's nothing bad's going to happen to Florence Pugh because she's she's quite clearly going to be the next Black Widow and you're not going to yes. kill her off. So while I was watching it, and I, I'm not saying I wasn't enjoying it, I just never at any point felt any level of, oh, no. Yeah, and I think we we – well, I say we – uh, the royal way. I think in in the Marvel universe, because I probably was watching it, you know, having obviously gone through things like WandaVision and and Loki as well. Um, this idea that you're kind of jumping back and forth throughout the MCU timeline, and while some of the films have done that in the past, they're not necessarily all in chronological order, but they kind of follow a rough. Uh, timeline mm. that to do a big jump like this at the moment didn't feel so abrupt because I was like, well, yeah, we've had, we've been trying to work out, well, where is the character of Loki compared to where he was in the films between the, the you know, this Avengers film and, and, and that Avengers film. So the idea of this kind of sitting somewhere in the past post civil war, my brain could, could handle that. But yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to sit there thinking, well, yeah, now we're going to start just making films and slotting them wherever we can into these tiny gaps within the MCU timeline. That sort of feels yeah. like a line that if you if you cross it, is going to start making things a bit too, a bit too mucky. I don't mind it as a bit of a a novelty. I, I'm not usually a big fan of prequels, to be honest. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons you have said, it's like, okay, so we might see where. Darth Vader ends up, but yeah, I know this character's not going to die, and that character's not going to die. And wh- how can none of you tell that that is that is Emperor Palpatine for crying out loud? You know, that's not it's not a big reveal. I can tell it's the same guy. Everybody, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the same sort of thing. It was just like, yeah, I, I I know where this where this ends. So it does kind of leave that a bit deflated, but uh, but yeah, I still felt like it was it was satisfying. But yeah, my concern would be, or just my my hope would be, don't make a habit of this. Well, you know, it's let's like, move things forward. You know, let's not keep going back and trying to squeeze into what was a very successful um, period and epoch in Marvel Cinematic yeah. History, because you might start. <clears throat> Star Wars, Star Wars. You might start eroding yeah. that that love for that uh, timeline and that franchise a little bit if you don't just let that go and move on and try to just come up with something new and original. And the, for me, the like if you you know how there's some people who say the best way to watch the Star Wars films now for kids who haven't seen it is show a new hope, Empire Strikes Back, go backwards, you know. Watch yeah, the so it's like you do jump forward. You do, yeah, you go New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, so you get the Vader reveal, and then you go back and you do the original Phantom Menace and Beyond to get his origin story, and then yeah. you jump into Return of the Jedi and keep going. And you're yeah. like, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't again. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be. It should be. You know, you watch the trilogy and and enjoy the trilogy. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't quite 
get into all that sort of stuff too much. And 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 it is like I say, it's a slip, it's a slippery slope. You got to be you got to be careful a little bit. But you can't you can't watch the prequels first because then the Empire Strikes Back reveal is you know nothing yeah, pointless and exactly and then uh, with but with this i reckon if i had you know if i was showing kids for the first time i would show this after civil war and i would just skip the after credit scene ah yes although I feel still, like you know fun. the reveal of okay so at some point her character dies and and how we don't know is uh you know, is, but I, I reckon in the Avengers not, Endgame scene, you actually think it's going to be Hawkeye because we've all made Hawkeye jokes for so yeah, long. Yeah, I suppose. So it was actually suppose, a shock. Yeah, and then any any opportunity that there is for, and there's probably not that many where you would think, I'm trying to think where the Black Widow character is in real mortal peril. There's probably yeah. not that many if you go back and think about it. So that would be the one you go, oh, especially when, you know, it's a long drawn out scene of, okay, Two enter, but only one will leave. Very quickly, you go. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is when it happens. This is when it happens. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's fair enough. He, uh, I've always said for years that you know I, I've wanted a Black Widow movie for ages because I think Johansson's really good, and uh, I always wanted it to kind of be in the style of a Bourne movie. And so, I really loved the start of it, which felt like an amalgamation of the Americans, then yes, straight into ex- a Bourne film. It's exactly where I was headed. I, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but um, yeah, if you have uh, Binge or, or Foxtel, the TV series, the FX TV series, the the Americans, uh, based on the very real story of in the eighties, there were Russian spies. These these people who had been raised as if they were Westerners, Americans on American culture and speaking the language who then infiltrated. There was a woman who was caught and it turned out to be just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and there's a great television series based on this idea of Russian spies living as Americans um, that, uh, that this reminded me of very much so. Um, and I thought, and that was a great, a great start to all that iconography, singing American Pie, driving past a baseball game on what appeared to be the 4th of July because you can see there's all this, uh, like the the American flag up in lights on this bridge and stuff like that as they say farewell, I thought was uh, was a really great start to the film for sure. Yeah, I was totally into that. And then getting into the sort of born feel of it, you know, like the phone call with uh, William Hurt's uh, general and – you know, her being far away from where they yeah. think she's going to be. I thought all of that I was of, fantastic. I, I felt that was coming. It was the old, yeah. you know, that's the, that old born identity misdirect. Same thing as uh, Silence of the Lambs, the, you know, the character, yes. you know, the, the SWAT team is about to storm and they're banging on the door and it turns out, yeah, and the reveal of the, the villainous character, it's actually, you know, the Jodie Foster character knocking on his door, that sort of thing. Yeah. I did feel that was was coming. Um, and uh, but the, you know, she's in the bathroom and at, at no point does does Ross turn around and go, You've, have you put me on speakerphone? Sounds like I'm on speakerphone. Yet in his yeah. ear, she's still very intimately talking like this. It's like, no, 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 you're in yeah. an echoey toilet. Don't put me on speakerphone. What are you doing? <laughs> you're working on something, are you? Oh, have you just been to the toilet? Yeah. Or at least you're washing your hands. Yeah, thank goodness. Like <laughs> that's why they're trying to catch it because she's disgusting. Yeah. But the um, she's a super the, the, the scene, the the I, I really love the scene where you know where Natasha and Yelena are also fighting, and I just once again, why do we have these CGI endings? Why can't it be, 
you have these two actors that are very good at, you know, doing the physical action. We had all of those black widows in training. We had oh, yeah. Taskmaster who can do all of this stuff. Now, I know it's a superhero film, so then everything's a little bit heightened, but just a CGI ending is just a bummer to me these days. That's <laughs> just kind of... yeah. Look, I was going to bring it up if, if people haven't haven't um, uh, listened to our uh, Loki uh, podcast. It was something I was going to mention in the last one. Um, the the previous episode of, of Loki, and whether you've seen it or not, it's not really super important at this point. Or listen to the podcast is not that important. But one of the things that kind of was slightly taking me out of that episode too was it was a very CGI heavy uh, episode, quite clearly not done on a very modern Mandalorian style um uh, what do they call it? Not the volume, where it's like yeah. the back. The backdrop is pro- um, projected on this enormous screen that moves with the characters and makes it feel immersive. The Loki one was quite clearly done on green screen with a very healthy Disney Marvel budget, but still a Marvel Disney TV budget, and a lot of that just felt like the characters were walking around on in front of a green screen for me for a full episode it just there were just too many moments where i was taken out of it and there was a yeah. few of those moments with this too especially the breakout with the helicopter and the the avalanche and um when they were getting alexi out of the prison it was great it was exciting and thrilling and dumb fun but it's still there was a bit of that 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 i felt too was just you know, to use a comedy term, it's a hat on a hat. It was just like, okay, I get, I get it, I get it. Can we yeah. just? You don't need to do the last final swing around with the helicopter and swing in and and grab him off the railing. Just you can get him out just in time for the avalanche to come through. But even that felt a bit over the top. But like you say, just you know that that bit at the end too felt like it was. It just it does it does take you out of the emotion of the scene a little bit when they do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and I think she's a really great actor and I really enjoy watching her do stuff and it just all felt uh it's just there's so much debris and you're sitting there thinking how are like how are the the parachutes not being ripped apart the moment that well, they're opened and it's, I like it, that it the was, things that you have to get right I like that it was right at the end you know once the family have kind of had their reckoning and and reconciliation and it's like what are you going to do well, what are you going to do well maybe we should all kind of do it together but not for now because I kind of have to go and uh, get back together with my Avengers mates and then you see like the what well, I'm guessing with the shield agents uh, on their way finally in their cars you're like you didn't what you didn't see this giant thing falling out of the sky 2 hours ago like they've right. just you've just arrived on the scene it's it's not a car accident this thing is this thing is huge and it was exploding and it's the idea that they've just they just happened to rock up right as everything is settled was one of those things that uh, that made me chuckle um yeah. but overall on all of that sort of stuff i want to give a massive uh, shout out to to Kate Shortland the australian director of this who i yes. thought did a phenomenal job because maybe i have just not been privy to all of the films she's done but the stuff that i do know that she has done is nowhere near any of this it is yeah, not yeah, yeah. big budget action stuff she does really cool classy indie stuff for the most part yeah that was sort of more low budget australian film critically acclaimed no doubt but still nothing on this scale and i don't know how you train for something like this i don't know how you step into this world you, you, she has as far as i know hasn't built to this she's just come in and 
And more than anything, that was my big takeaway. There's some great shots, great reveals, some great little bits. Like when the girls were kind of first meeting at the safe house and they're sort of, you know, uh, facing off with the guns at, at each other and Elena's going backwards and she just does that little stumble and um, and Nat says, oh, watch your step. Like just that, all that little interplay with them was was really beautifully done and some of the sequences and shots that uh, that were in there as well that takes a director who knows what the fuck they are doing um, was su- just superb. And so I take my hat off to her for sure. Aussie Prime. Well, that was all, all the stuff that I really enjoyed was all the smaller stuff and all of the, you know, the, the, the more kind of, I guess, more indie sensibility uh, aspect. Yeah, that, to oh, it. Do you like my Where, vest? It's a cool vest, isn't it? Like my vest got lots of pockets. Do you like my vest? Yeah. Well, the hair flip, the, like that moment, like I, just to deconstruct the whole superhero ridiculousness of, you know, when Elena says to, says to Nat, hey, why do you do this thing? Like when, you, when you're fighting, right, when you, you put your leg out like this and, you, and then you flick your hair, like what's, you're a poser, aren't you? What's all that about? That idea, yeah. it's the same thing Deadpool did with the whole why do we always land on our knees? It's really quite painful. Um, right. It was just that that's the sort of stuff that I didn't mind. It made me laugh and it was those little moments of, of levity that, that worked throughout, throughout the film for me between the sisters. Yeah, my my issues with the movie is that it's the cookie cutter uh, aspect that's added to these films, which is oh, we're going to end with a CGI ending, and it's yeah, it's just it's just a bummer. Like it's it always gets back to me. I know this is when Fox was in charge, but it's it's the same when you go back and watch the Wolverine, which I reckon is a ninety percent great film, but then they have him fight a CGI. Silver Samurai, when it's like, you've got a hundred ninjas there. Let him fight a hundred ninjas yes. and choreograph yes. it and make it like Kill Bill or make it like a, a Hong Kong oh, kind of film yeah, and, right. and give us that for 20 minutes. And I, that's what I would have liked with all of those Black Widows. I would have, because I, I loved all of the ideas with it and I loved all of the storytelling, but I just, give us all of those women having to, you know, give us a longer fight with that, uh, have the have the family have to team up against them, you know, flying around while something falls apart and crashes to the ground where you know they're all going to get to the ground fine. It's just a little bit, you get a bit more, just just get to that bit. Just get to the end when yes. they're on the ground. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's frustrating because you have, you have set up everything else. I don't think that's Kate Shortland. I think that is what... You know, Marvel creates movies the way they used to create comic books. You know, they've they've got a factory that's putting all of these things together, and then they bring people in to sort out what they need done. But it just felt like a missed opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah. Like I still liked some of the the other stunt stuff, like you say, when they were sort of escaping the safe house, and there was the mm. the other Black Widow agent who's jumped on the chimney with them, yes. and kind of grab her hand. And look, just anyone who's listening to this. If you're like a brainwashed secret agent and you're trying to catch two other brainwashed, formerly brainwashed secret agents, and you jump on a chimney and that chimney starts to fall off a building, if someone offers to take your hand, just accept the offer. You can continue yeah. fighting later on when you when you get to safety on the yeah. other side, but just accept the offer. Don't try to stab them. Don't try to pull out of it because you're going to fall down and then you're going to have to be killed by your master <laughs> controller through a wristband. That's just the outcome, guys. Just take just take their hand, just say yes and accept the help 
and and then you can go back to trying to kill each other. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah. um, like that sort of sequence was great. I really, I, it, it probably wasn't to everyone's taste, but the APC sort of running through the the streets there with the the car chase with the girls that I enjoyed is just watch this thing just sort of destroying everybody. But then to yeah. your point, when it's like now we're going to blow up the car and it's going to backflip on top of it, that's when I went, oh, again, we've kind of gone from a cool born identity type thing, James Bond kind of thing you know, on the, uh, that, that sort of chase on the motorcycles type of idea to then go, now we're just blowing up cars in a ridiculous way and the, the only line before is put your seatbelt on because this is going to get bumpy is like uh, that sometimes can be, again, take take me out of what was otherwise a really great sequence yeah. is just, just watching this, this uh, armoured car just plough through a street of vehicles. Is it just cheaper these days to make things CGI or is it too expensive with insurances to get crazy-ass stuntmen who are actually riding motorbikes against traffic and, you know, know, compared to the way they used to make movies? I mean, CGI is never, never cheap, but um, in some yeah. respects it's it's maybe easier to, you know, from a safety point of view to go, well, we can just make something explode with with uh, uh, a computer than it is to actually have one. There were two explosions at the end. Both the girls had that classic, you're walking in shot and there's an explosion behind you and you just keep walking steadily. Um, The one with uh, Yelena was... It felt like it was real because Florence did a the actress Florence Pugh a did a little French. bit of like a there was a little blink in slow mo so like yeah. they obviously went and like the actors the director's gone and a cue explosion and you can see yeah. her blink right as the explosion's about to happen so the sounds <laughs> hit and then we get it but then there was one behind uh, Scarlett Johansson like mere seconds later hers looked like it was CGI so how you make that choice based based on is probably a safety issue, I guess, more than anything, depending on what you're after. You, uh, so the uh, Garth Jones, who does the Pass the Amel segment on this uh, podcast, we've been going through the Mad Max movie. So I just recently uh, rewatched Fury Road. And guess what that is? Thrilling at every given yes. moment. And there's people on sticks and they're flying around. And, you know, there's a big CGI moment in that with the sandstorm. But everything else is so grounded that by the time you get to the sandstorm, uh, you accept it because you've seen that it's uh, a world with weight. And uh, yeah, I, I just I, kind of wish they'd done that. I had that with J.J. Abrams and, and when he came back to do uh, The Force Awakens. And... The creatures were so they're, they're people in suits, like a lot of the the alien characters were people in suits, or you know when Ray's going to get some drinking water and there's this big hulking creature that's sort of lapping out of it like a giant cow or a horse type of thing. It's just this watering hole, this creature, and and it, you can see it's actually a big either animatronic or two guys in a suit character yeah. that I get more out of than any of the early prequel stuff that was all 100% CGI um, yeah. because you, you can tell when someone's or something is is really there. And I, I like any filmmaker who goes back to that somewhat old school way of, of doing it with, with practical effects rather than digital. Yeah. You know, the I was talking to Limo this morning and we – I don't normally bring this up, but fuck it, I'm going to ruin this for everyone <laughs> – 
something that we both agree on that drives us nuts is, you know, when people in TV shows or movies get a coffee and they're quite clearly holding a cup that doesn't have Empty anything cup. in it? Empty cup. And <laughs> Put some water in the just cup. get a coffee. I've got a tray of coffees here. I've got a tray. Unless every single person has a double espresso <laughs> in many coffee places, as I would know, especially in a pandemic when you're not allowed to take keep cups anymore, they yeah. just give you a double espresso, but they put it in a massive cup. Then I would buy yeah. it, but the amount yeah. who's who has taken a coffee order any time <laughs> in the last five to ten years where it used to just be, do you want a black one or do you want a white one? And now it's all I'll have a half strength double shot oat milk latte with soy, and I'll have a decaf uh f- traditional double macchiato with without the sprinkles, whatever it might be. Like you just can't Never, you don't take off your orders anymore. You never offer to because people will probably then say, Yes, I'll take you up on that. And that's the rest of your day gone. But you never, ever, ever end up with just four simple coffees in a tray. It's going to be different sizes, different shapes, different weights. And I'm the same as you. Just why don't I just at least put water in there or something just to yeah. give it some weight? Because it just, that's one of those things that I just can't stand either. Just drives me bonkers takes me out of things all the time just tape a couple of coins to the bottom so it just yeah has a bit of weight so when you put it down anyway (laughs) who who was the standout in this movie for you was there anyone in particular that you enjoyed more than anyone else or well i thought the elena character was was fantastic again florence Pugh, who um i saw in the fighting fighting with my family movie which wasn't particularly great about this young girl and her dreams to become a professional wrestler. Yeah. Um, she, she was very good in that. Um, and in this, I thought she was fantastic. And I loved the interplay between the two of them. One of my other issues I've often had with mostly Marvel films are notorious for it, where a character is in deep peril. They're sort of in a high stakes a scene trying to take out a villain and everyone's got quips. There's always quips, you know, mm-hmm. um, like when uh, Civil War, everyone's suddenly attacking each other, all these friends, they're on the, on the, um, at the airport. And it's that final line of, okay, you, we need you to come in. You've got to come in. And Cap's like, we're not. We've, we're going to stop these guys and we're, we're, not, we're not coming in. We're not signing the accords. We've basically gone rogue. And then it's like, okay, well, now we've got to go at it. And this, this big fight breaks out and nobody's pulling punches on each other. And there's the scene where a, a moment with um, Hawkeye and Black Widow where they're going at it and then they pause for a second and then – I think it's Black Widow says, oh, we're still going to be friends though after this, right? And it's like, well, hang on, no, 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 no. This is, this, this, there is emotional stakes here. It's like we have to attack our own friends and to do that we have to fight at almost full force because we're all pretty strong and fairly superpowered. And there's a lot of that. I don't, I really adore all the Tony Stark one-liners that he has in between other scenes when there's a moment of levity. But in the high-stakes moments, I don't think you'd be cracking gags left, right and centre. And there was a lot of it in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. And it's like I get I get the buddy banter, but not when, like, you're in a literal life-and-death situation. So I yeah. liked that in this movie it did happen in those lighter moments. There wasn't, like... 
or it was to a character to like the Yelena character doing a lot of like, um, oh, well, okay, well, this will be a cool way to die and things like that. Um, yeah. So it was more to, to herself because that that felt okay. And any of the little stuff that they had about, you know, making fun of their outfits or their poses or, or all of that, again, that really lovely sort of sisterly bond for characters that weren't blood-related, that was my big takeaway, that Yelena character, the idea that you get to the end of this and you say, yeah, I want to see another movie with her in it. I think she's headed to the Hawkeye series that they're doing um, and I'm cool with that. Uh, and I hope at some point we see a spin-off where, yeah, again, as we pass on the mantles uh, of our favourite Marvel heroes, she becomes the next Black Widow. I would watch that. I thought her her character made me laugh a lot, but at the same time she she could play serious when, when we needed her to play serious. The I agree. Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. Just getting back to that Hawkeye uh Black Widow moment in Civil War, I just felt like that scene would have been perfect if, you know, you say that moment, you know, hey, we're still going to be friends after this, blah, blah, blah. How about you then follow it up logically with, why are we fighting? It's like, this is a really good point. Surely we can come up with a better solution. Should we, you know, let's let's go over here. And then they go off and they conspire. You say that before you start fighting. You, you say, throw right, a few are we going to do, then... do this? Okay, we're still going to yeah. be friends after this? Yeah, okay, it depends how hard you hit me. Well, I'm going to hit you hard, all right then, and then off you go. But it was like, especially because she was like, you know, he's trying to uh, strike her and she's doing that thing of sort of rolling out of the way on the ground, and it was between rolls where she's rolled back, stopped and looked at him, and then you know, in a moment that she had to take a breath, it's like, yeah. were you sitting on that line the whole time? So there's yeah. a lot of that that sort of comes into it. Well, so when did you think of that? When did you think that's the time you choose to deliver it? So it was, there's a lot of that in those moments as well when they come up. But, um, yeah, I love that, the, again, the, the the depth of the characters really worked for me. The the family dynamic part of it was, yeah, something I feel we've kind of seen before. And like you said, well, we kind of have seen that, you know, the, that Nat does sort of have a family of sorts waiting for her somewhere else. So that's that's not like it was – I wasn't so invested in whether they ended up together or not by the end of this, but I did enjoy those those moments that they had. I do want to uh, make mention of um, the Dracov character, Ray Winston's character. Oh, yeah. Who, who I wasn't really sold on, to be honest, uh, until his, his big moment at the end. He – I don't know if it was – from direction or whether it was just his call, but geez, Ray, who just loves being Ray Winston sometimes, I think, just enjoyed coming in real close to it, like every single person that he was talking to. And because, you know, we've got a lot of strong female characters uh, in in this film, I'm sure intentionally, that's probably part of his character trying um, trying to push his dominance and assert himself to them, but he's just coming into their personal space and getting right in there when, with uh, Rachel Weiss, uh, well, when he thought it was uh, her character. Um, and then again later on when it, it turned out to be Nat. Um, but the fact that he he describes 
oh, I got all these girls off the street or this and describes them as trash. And I do what yeah. all people, what all people would do with trash, which is recycle them. And just yeah. um, the way he, he would use terms like that. Uh, and uh, I think the other phrase he used was, I, I used the one resource the world has too much of girls. And the fact that he refer, refers to them as girls. It was just such an incredibly unlikable character and really disturbing the whole idea of, you know, this Red Room um, idea that he had set up. Was one of the, he was one of the you know, most intimidating and despicable villains we've seen because it actually was quite grounded in, in reality more than, you know, an Ultron or something like that. I wish we'd had more of him in other movies, to mm. be honest. It felt like you've done a really good job of setting up this awful character and uh, it feels like um, gone too soon. Like, uh, it, I thought he wasn't really impressive in those scenes. He, he really was, you know, it's like, is he playing Ray Winston or is he playing Harvey Weinstein? Like it's just such yes. a he even kind of looks like him like a, in a in a physical mold, not like physically uh, exactly like him, but in that mm. mold. Um I thought uh, David Harbour and Rich, uh, Rachel Weisz were great as well. I think yeah. they're um it, it's fun. It was great. I mean he he had some great some of the lines he was when he was talking about um you know why he th- he got thrown in prison. He's like, I don't know, maybe because I didn't do this, I didn't do that. And he mentioned something about, oh, maybe I, I, I mentioned something about not liking his hair and little things like that. But you go, I wonder if that was in the script or not, or whether he's just kind of yeah. thrown it in. There's a lot of the stuff that he he does. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people you know know his work mainly from Stranger Things, but um, yeah, I just really enjoyed his portrayal of the character. Was it the the best introduction for people into red guardian probably not but um no. but that's that's okay by me i kind of i liked again we've seen it before in the incredibles but him trying to fit into the old suit and stuff like that yeah. was i i was a little disappointed i thought it was going to be again another sort of retro looking suit like we've had um on the the recent classic loki and stuff the fact that it came out exactly like one of the sort of modern Captain America looking ones. I was borderline disappointed with it. I wouldn't have minded it looking a little bit daggy and then later on because it doesn't fit, he gets the the upgrade. Um, But, yeah, I I really I enjoyed his portrayal and I think the chemistry between the four, those four main protagonists that we had was really, really great. I bought this idea that uh, okay, we don't get along. We're not real family, but by the end of it, yeah, we've we've got as as close as you can get to that. Yeah, Rachel Vies has always been such a good actor as well. You know, at the start, I was thinking, oh, they've done a pretty good job with the de aging stuff for this earlier time slot, and then she turned up, and I was like, I don't know if they de aged her. <laughs> she right. she still looks great. Yeah, I agree. You know, and she, I'd like to see more I of just, her. Yeah. I just, I just hope she got back to help the pigs because if the battery runs out on that iPad, you know, no. little Alexi's going to stop breathing. That poor pig. That's probably, that that poor was one of the most pig. disturbing parts of the whole film is watching a, yeah. an animatronic pig hold its breath. <laughs> Mate, it was – I, I agree totally. It was like it – yeah, it's like, I understood know, why Natasha was like, somebody. yeah, yeah, yeah. When Natasha was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make a I was, point. I was, oh, Jesus. I was hypocritically eating a plate of bacon and sausages and I'm still going, just please take care of that pig. Yeah. 
I like the little uh, twist with uh, Vise and um, and uh, Natasha, you know, swapping places. I thought that was pretty cool. I did not, I did not initially see that coming at all. No, and again, that idea of uh, her sort of turning turning tables. I, I bought into that of like, okay, so so Mum hadn't um, hadn't defected fully yet. Yeah, um, and then you realise, oh no, it was a. a a double double cross, a quadruple cross, or a single cross yeah. because you've gone back over the first cross and then you, you're back on the same side. I'm not quite sure how it works, but um, but yeah, that idea of no, we'll make it look like it, and we've just got this disguise. Um, I thought that was a really nice reveal. I didn't see it, hadn't picked it, so that was that worked for me very yeah. much. So it felt like a real and Doctor now, Who what moment about, um, when that door opened and uh, David Harbour said, how did you do that? And it felt like the 50th anniversary of when yes. the three doctors are trying to work out how to open the door. <laughs> That's right. Um, there was a lot of uh, Ray Winston's off- office at the end there, um, Dracov's office when they, when they came in. I was like, looks like they've maybe recycled the TVA set from oh, yeah. from the Loki series. There's a lot of like, okay, we kind of aesthetically, I guess it's that sort of you know, a lot of this just brass and mahogany stuff going on. But I was like, well, I'm getting a lot of strong vibes of, oh, if we maybe repurpose this set, no one will notice. Um, now, should we? I think we should talk about the Taskmaster character and how oh, yeah. you felt about this portrayal of. Uh, for what people, well, for people who don't know, I guess the character is in in comic book in the comic book legends is does actually have a skull for a face, and kind of has a bit. It's always reminded me somewhat of a Skeletor sort of character from the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and can and can actually like the, the, his superpower is yeah he can sort of he can mimic fighting styles. So this sort of felt like it was borrowing from that a little bit, but then kind of just making the helmet the face rather than the actual face, and then obviously the reveal of, of who was inside that suit at the end. Um, I I enjoyed it because I'm not necessarily a, a purist when it comes to to Marvel comics. I know I know some stuff, but I'm not not enough of the deep cut stuff for me to be fully invested in a character like that to to have a strong opinion on it. I liked what the, it was for the film, though. Yeah, I, I don't mind it when they reimagine things. In the comics, he's uh, he's a mercenary and he, he mm. trains uh, goons on how to fight. I, so I remember the first Avengers comic that he turned up in. I think he might have even been designed uh, by George Perez. Um, one of the things that was a downer about him was that I saw Olga Kirilenko's name go up in the credits and when she hadn't turned up after half an hour, I was like, oh. I bet she's Taskmaster. And then as soon as I worked out that she's Taskmaster, I was like, ah i bet the daughter didn't die and then Mm. so when that happened i'm not saying i would have done that normally but because i know the actress and she's you know she's got profile like she's not a new actor um yeah when i saw her name go up and i didn't know she was in the movie at all and we're not seeing behind that mask i was like is this gonna be olga karolenko and so i was a bit bummed out about that yeah i wasn't I wasn't necessarily sold on the idea of that the only reason she was she was fighting with such a fury was because of you know she needed the antidote sprayed in her face. Yeah. I was like, yes, yes. She 
she would still well maybe she wasn't across the the, the fact that um it was the natalia character that um that, that was responsible for the explosion at um uh, natasha sorry i should say who who was responsible for exploding dad's office yeah yeah because it was like no when 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 Nat's sitting there going, okay, I'm going to um, I'm gonna let you out of this room and I know you're going to come swinging and that's cool, I get it, but I know the real you is in there somewhere and we're going we're gonna to bring her out. I'm thinking that real her was, was just a small girl and then you blew up a building that she was in that has made her horribly scarred. So I don't know that just looking f- for quite unquote the good in someone is going to work in this in this uh, in this situation, that, and maybe the person to do that is not you. Who maybe was responsible for it? That was a misstep for me as well. Like amongst all that CGI, it was like no, no, no. I would have much preferred it if she'd broken that spray in her face, and it didn't make any difference because and I didn't think that's where it was because I didn't I didn't realize that she'd had any of that effect on her as well. I thought no, she's just. No. Uh, She's just had a really fucking rough go of it, and her yeah. life has been pain and torture. Um, but uh, yeah, look, when we first were introduced to the character on the bridge, when she's gone to to take out the um, uh, Natasha and the jeep, yeah. I thought that was great. That fight sequence was just impressive. Some of the moves that they ha- had. Hurricane runners on hurricane runners, reversals on reversals. It was that was a, a great piece. It was again that thing of like um, when Nat got the box of of mail and she's like, oh, I'm probably just going to toss it out. Uh, I don't know. And there's this very conspicuous, not in a post pack box that I was like, you're not, <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah, want to look in that one. And I don't know yeah. about you, but if I open the letterbox and there's something other than like if there's anything that's not in an envelope, as in it's in like a package. I get so excited. All of, all yeah. of her mail was packages. It's, yeah. I, and I'm sure she lives in a, in a highly suspect world of, look, any of these could be a bomb or a tracking device and I need to be very careful. But they all look really good. It's like, I don't know, it could be something from eBay that actually accidentally ended up at your house by mistake or, you know, did you not order something off Etsy? It could be a cute little fluffy knitted jumper or something but in the meantime it's like that's a really important box there that you might just want to have a tiny look at and uh when the taskmaster character she tweaked you're not after me you're after something else i thought maybe it was a bit of a leap to go and i know exactly which box it is it's over there maybe because the character had already looked into it in there and knew what was in there and we didn't see that is a, is a possible suggestion. But, um, yeah, that was uh, otherwise a really great introduction to the, to the Taskmaster character, that really impressive fight scene. And a great suit. The suit looked really cool too. Yeah, and seeing all the moves that are like Caps and Winter Soldiers, etc. Yeah. Actually, her first appearance did feel, uh, in a good way, reminiscent of when the Winter Soldier turned up in yeah. uh, the, that uh, movie. And you look, I I really like the idea of it, etc. But also finding the good in uh, in the Taskmaster, and then you know 
having her come to, I just kind of feel like it lets Natasha off the heinous crime of blowing up a young girl. And it's like one of my favourite, you know, this is where I say getting back to the Bourne movies, you know, Bourne supremacy finishes with him just letting that poor girl know what happened to her father. And that that's all he can do for to make up for his heinous crime. And there's a part of me that's like, did we need to know what happened in Budapest? Like maybe if, if we're going to set up something that's... Budapest? Uh, no, I think it's Budapest. No, Budapest. Um, no, no, no. I think it's Budapest. But uh, <laughs> but when but it's such a you've you've given her such a heinous crime mm. to just have her say no, no. I reckon you're all right. Like let's like let's stop fighting. Just just kind of gives Natasha a free ride that she doesn't yeah, deserve. Yeah, and she she herself has talked about in the past. I think it was with Loki once where she was talking about the amount of red that she has in her ledger of mm. all these things that she's done. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, again, important to remember not where the characters are for where we know they end up and what we like about them, but where they came from. Yeah. You know, that first time she steps into a ring with Happy and, you know, takes him out and Tony Stark, his jaw drops to the floor. Um, There's, and again, this is the problem you have, and we've talked about it with the, the Loki series, this is the problem you have when you want to go backwards a little bit yeah because a character and their story arc move forward if you want to go back you got to be careful where you go because some of these characters maybe were not likable initially and now they are and if you try to go backwards you kind of have to go back to maybe when they weren't as likable or when their history hadn't been forgiven yet or they hadn't even forgiven themselves yet um, and so that's that's something you have to be careful of. But yeah, I think there was a, a, a possibly better way to resolve that than than the simple um, big red button of hey, let's just spray them with this magic sparkly yeah. dust that just helps that brings everybody out of their um, evil stupor. I reckon just have Black Widow still under control with her dad, and something went wrong, so it's still the father's fault. And, mm. you know, anyway, the, look, uh, one of the things I did like is the idea of all the Black Widow girls running around the world. And it mm-hmm. felt a little bit like the ending of the TV series of Buffy. And I'd, I think I'd be quite up for a series that follows all of these girls becoming some yeah. sort of fighting team or who knows what you could do with it. But it feels like well, a good idea. Well, if you, you could cast it, yeah, that's a great idea because you could cast it, you get a sort of strong core of you know, if, you know, five at the most maybe who who are then you know, episode by episode going around the world to um, hunt down, find, track and stop and then convert another sort of rogue Black Widow character. Yeah. Episode by episode in different locations around the world would be would be a really really cool show that I, I would very happily watch. So I hope you know. that's something that we don't just quickly sort of sweep under the rug as ah it's resolved off camera because there's a lot to still to still be had with that. I don't think it's it's uh, it's been completely wrung dry that idea. No, I think it's a great idea. I, I really like that part of it. Um, uh, I want to just give you- a little quick shout out while we're talking about you know fighting with. Uh, with the Black Widow characters, when um, the Elena character, I think it was, was it Osaka, her first friend, when she first came in and we first got a wind of this this antidote 
that her friend mm. had in the box running down the street. Did a cool little Game of Thrones, a big shout out to any Game of Thrones fans, the Arya Stark dropped the knife from one hand into the next hand to stab oh, the person. Yes. Uh, yep. It was a nice little, I don't know if it was an intentional nod to, to the Game of Thrones uh, moment, very classic moment, not today, but um, uh, or, or whether it's just, hey, that's a cool move that everybody apparently does now. But that was one of those things that I really, really liked. It felt like there was lots of good kind of shout-outs, so I wouldn't be surprised if they deliberately dropped that in because that was actually the best thing that happened in the final series. <laughs> Yeah, and look, um, I don't know if this was a shout-out or not, but I personally want to make mention to anyone listening to this who does have the name Fanny Longbottom um, yep. because there was a lot of shade thrown uh, your way in this in this movie. Um, yeah. A lot of mockery, if you will. Um, yeah. It's a very perfectly fine British name. Yep. And if your name is Fanny Longbottom and you are listening to this, we are on your side. We are completely on your side. I don't find any of that Absolutely. funny. I, I, felt really, I felt sorry for all the long bottoms. If I could ever change my name again, I would go back and do that. It would be funny. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the after credit scene? Does this uh, pump you up for Hawkeye? Yeah. Look, I'm, again, you know, the, I, I haven't quite uh, – we talked about this at the time. I haven't quite connected with the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character just yet. Yeah. Um, so, so when I when she was revealed as there, I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. You're you're loitering." Um, uh, but yeah, certainly, I knew that the Yelena character was going to be part of the Hawkeye series, but I just assumed that they would be alongside. So now the idea that and it's not a lie. Guess who killed your sister? Yeah. Technically speaking. Yeah. Um, holds holds up, and that's going to be a tough thing for him to be able to hand wave in in the early stages, and he probably feels a ton of guilt for it as well. So yeah. the idea that uh, that that's going to be part of that storyline moving forward really works for me. Yeah. So in our Loki episode for episode five, I told you that I had a theory and yes. I couldn't talk about it because I didn't want to ruin Black Widow in our Loki mm-hmm. chat because there's only mm-hmm. some people who are listening to that because I haven't seen the Black Widow movie yet. So Correct. here's the theory. So in all the new Marvel series in recent times, we've seen a new good and bad version of Captain America created. In Black mm-hmm. Widow, we have a new anti-heroine version of Black Widow in Yelena. We have an all-white emotionless version of the Vision. We have a mm-hmm. female Loki who has similar abilities to Wanda. In the upcoming Hawkeye, we have a new female Archer being introduced in Kate Bishop, who's played by Haley Stanfield. We've also seen the Hulk analogue, The Abomination, in the the Shang Chi trailer. We have a reflection of Nick Fury in Julia Louis Dreyfus's Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. So mm-hmm. my question is: Are we heading towards a Dark Avengers slash Masters of Evil team to combat the next iteration of the Avengers? Wow. Um, so uh, give me that again. Uh, <laughs> what was the middle? Bit? Um, I had not thought of that. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's, again, one of those things that Marvel does supremely well is the long con 
it yeah. was it was it was our plan the whole time and this is something that it was seeded a long long time ago with the idea of even at the very least if we want to go there if we want to pull that trigger we can yeah um that's that something i had not thought of we're building up i because i was always moving towards the well at some point we move forward with the characters and we've just got as has happened in comic books since for almost forever that if you go looking f- up at any point you know a new character comes into a film or a television show and you're not across who they are if you go to google them sometimes that can be a deeper rabbit hole than you were ever ever prepared <laughs> going to be prepared for because they yeah. have long and storied histories over who has played this version of that character in what timeline the mantle can get handed on to one person or another. And so um, when we have seen things like Fountain and the Winter Soldier, the idea that, well, we've got a new person now in the holding the mantle of Captain America, uh, same thing could possibly be happening in Loki, this idea that, okay, that's where all of this could possibly be heading is, well, at some point, we have to move our original actors on. Someone else can have the title of Black Widow. We just need to show everybody how we make that handover happen. I hadn't actually thought of it the way you're putting it of, well, some of those are still there. So in the meantime, there could be an interim period where you've got you've got one side versus another that, yeah, right. Yeah. So imagine you have... Exciting. So imagine you have... Uh, you know, Sam, Captain America, uh-huh. Bucky, uh, super smart Hulk, who is also yep. injured from using the Infinity Gauntlet, Captain yes. Marvel, uh, Shang-Chi, we've got Kate Bishop as the new uh, Hawkeye. So you've got them as your kind of, and maybe you have Doctor Strange as your new Avengers team. Oh, and mm-hmm. you bring back Thor. You can maybe still, or you, you probably have the female Thor now, right? Yeah. So that, you have the Natalie you go. There's Portman another one, Thor. Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then suddenly they're going up against Yelena, Black Widow, USA agents, Sylvie oh, as course, Loki, yes. Abomination. You've got Contessa as the Nick Fury type. And suddenly you've got, you know, a classic kind of up against That's- one another kind of thing. That's great. And does that which we've sort of been wondering how it can happen, where a lot of these are crossing over now between characters that are only have an awareness in the TV world. Hmm. And, you know, we talk about shows like um, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, and we use the term MCU, but the C part of MCU is cinematic. And yes. in many respects, you could make the argument, well, that's not what this is. I know we, we're living in a very blurred world where some of these things aren't coming out in cinemas anymore, but if everything being as it should be, they would. And in some places, Black Widow is something you can walk into a cinema yeah. and watch, and then you go home and you watch Loki on TV, and that's where they exist. So at some point, there will be, you would think, the the tide is going to go both ways. So it won't, everything won't just feed into offshoot TV series. At some point, something that's happened in, in one of these television shows is going to poke its head up in, in the movies, whether they're again, still on streamers or not, but, but that will happen. 
And this idea could be a really cool way of doing it because it's blending both of those worlds, which is all under the one big banner, I suppose, but does that really nicely. Well, you know, listening to uh, some pundits in America. Damn, you'll move, DC. Shit. Yeah, yeah, this is really <laughs> ups the ante. But listening to pundits in America where they're saying, you know, now the idea of Disney getting a subscription out of someone is more mm. important than getting them to go and see one movie or two movies in a year because you get 12 months of payment rather than two movie tickets. If you get the blend right, that you still release the movies at the cinema, but then you have to watch these new Marvel series that Kevin Feige mm. is talking about. Once upon a time, we, as you said, there's no way you would have put something important in a TV series and forced people to watch it. But now I think it's the opposite. I think they are trying to funnel people there to get that subscription up which also makes their stock go up which then means that you then go and see the movie to see how it plays out to go hang on a sec who was that character oh, i'll go and get that disney subscription to watch that whole loki series do you know what i mean yeah yeah i hadn't really thought about that but um the, the, i clever. guess the tipping point the the, the tipping point was always going to come where yeah what what's more important because the initially the idea of someone paying a, a one-off to watch in their home uh, as opposed to going to buy a movie ticket where if you're watching it at home, you could have five mates watching it and you've only paid one price of yeah. 25 bucks or whatever plus subscription costs. But still, it's cheaper than all of you going to the, the movies. So the idea that, you know, and not let's take what the cinema chains make out of it We'll put that aside, but as far as a box office goes for what a studio gets, um, I always thought, well, you know, in the early stages of quite clearly, you're not going to make the same money back from a, a, a download. And, and a lot of the early tests of, of some of these things, like the Trolls movie that came out uh, last year, um, didn't, from a business standpoint, wasn't sort of seen as a, a huge success. Um, and there's a lot of similar films, especially those that were only able to be released on a streaming service in the States that, that were seen as not being successful because they a, a big budget movie didn't make its money back because, you know, one person paying for it is enough to maybe have five or six instead of, and if you want to watch it again, you just hit play again on it. If you yep. walk out of the cinema and you want to go back and do the afternoon session of Black Widow, you've got to go and buy another ticket and you've got to take your friends with you again. But now you're right. I think in the last 12 months it's been such a seismic shift that now it would be something to go, well, if we get a subscription off you, it's going to be for 12 months because you, you have to come in early. And you have to, and you have to be all in for the twelve months. You might have only gone to see maybe one of our films, but now we've got a, a regular payment from you for the year that is about a hundred bucks, which kind of is going to add up long term. Plus, every time we put one of these premium movies on there, you're going to pay for it. Plus, if we're Marvel Disney, we don't have to pay the cinemas, which is what used to happen. They had to yeah. pay the cinemas a cut to be. In there, that's how the cinemas make their money as well. They don't just sell popcorn and drinks. They get money from the film studios for putting their movies out there. So now maybe the business model, and if you're Disney and you've got so much in the bank that you can, uh, as far as creative cachet goes, that you can go, yeah, because we've called it for the next four years. 
by the way, don't forget, on this streaming service, we also have Star Wars. We also have Disney. We also have Pixar. So it would make sense for them to be the first to cut ties with the cinemas. And that's that's massive. That's really seismic. I would have gladly not watched this until I could go to the cinema again, but I just knew that there was no way I wasn't going to have things ruined online yes. beforehand. Yeah, and look, so, there's something to be said for like I, we both sort of had the same thing of saying, "Oh, hey, let's let's get uh, get a review out for this as soon as we can." And the, I had the same thought as you. Was like I was I was out and still thought uh, I can get home and <laughs> whack this on because guess what? Yeah. The session times at my house are all the time. So <laughs> I can just I just watch it whenever I can. And if I want to yeah. start watching it 10 o'clock at night and it finishes sometime after midnight, well, then great, cool, no problem, can do. Yeah. So it is that convenience too that has you going, yeah, I can watch it now and and same as you, then nothing gets spoilt for me and I've watched it as soon as I can. Otherwise, you know, it might be a little while longer than that before I can get to the cinemas. Though I think this one on a big screen would have been fantastic. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, just to finish up, a couple of quick little things. Uh, Natasha watching Moonraker was cute, just yes. kind of letting you know this is a James Bond movie. Um, and, especially, Crimson- and especially she knows the words. She knows it all by, yes. by heart. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. They're the things that I really enjoyed about the film and would have loved to have had a little bit more time with. Um, and uh, and a little bit more of the John Wick kind of action. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That's, but I loved all of that stuff. Uh, the Crimson Dynamo comment is a reference to the armoured Russian hero and the giant that uh, uh, Red Guardian arm wrestles is named after Soviet super soldier Ursa Major who can turn into a giant... Grizzly bear, <laughs> superpowered grizzly well, now bear. Now he's going to have a bust. He's going to have a busted paw now, isn't he? <laughs> that was a pretty funny scene. I enjoyed all of that. Um, there seems to be a little hint for some people having genetic potential for being superheroes. Does yeah. that sound like a little, a little soft X gene Ooh. for the mutants? We get, we're, I mean, we we very clearly this is one of those things that they're just slowly leading everybody who has. I mean, you would think most people walking around have a knowledge of the X-Men, but they are really just taking those first baby steps to bring it into into the Marvel Universe proper now. It's it's very clearly there. Yeah. And I, uh, my favourite scene was Black Widow breaking her nose. I thought that was super badass and I thought it was oh, great. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when seven, she just said, oh, that's what I'll do. <laughs> I'll sever the nerve. Ow! Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed that moment. I was like, that's what I want from Black Widow. Yep. That's great. Just um, kick ass. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, I, I mostly enjoyed the film. Wish I'd seen it on the big screen. Everybody, less CGI. It works better. It's just, mm-hmm. just these endings don't need all of that. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it more than you. I did. Um, I, I agree. I would love to have seen it on the big screen. And same as you, there are. I, I do get CGI fatigue a lot. Yeah, with with some of these things. Um, but I did. But I did enjoy it. There was there there. I can't remember moments where I was willing to. You know, if I could have hit a fast forward button or something like that. So yeah. Um, 
yeah, I thought uh, from from start to finish, wonderfully done. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens for the Hawkeye series now. And I did not think I'd be saying that. No, no, I know the things that you say. Well, thank you very much for doing these uh, podcasts back to back. It's been fun digging into it. And you know what? I'm going to turn this off and ask you if uh, Hugh Jackman really is going to return as Logan. I know we can't say it on air. So everyone who's listening, I'm just going to see if I can find something out before you. Thanks. And remember, I don't get my period dipshit. I don't have a uterus. Thank you once again to Roe for helping me out with these two Marvel episodes. He'll be returning to help me cover off the Loki finale later in the week. It's um been a little bit of a superhero overload on this podcast of late. So, like, you know, don't get me wrong, I like the, the genre, but, you know, I need some other things as well. And so we've just still got the next Sophia Coppola podcast, The Beguiled, to get to you. I know I keep saying that I'm going to put it out, but... You know, Ben and I can't catch up and, you know, we can't remote, uh, you know, record podcasts together. So I've just been kind of putting it off and it's frustrating because we've only got one more Coppola movie to check out and then we've got a couple of other projects that we're trying to get started anyway. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But I'll put that up soon uh, just to help break up all this stuff. We're going to get back into the final season of The Leftovers as well. And uh, just, you know, after the Loki episode, just have a little bit of uh, downtime from the superhero genre. Okay? Got to feed the brain with some new stuff. Uh, some of that is uh, a new Pass the Ammo segment with my mate Garth Jones. He's uh, covering uh, the exploitation genre and we cover the fourth Mad Max movie, Fury Road. So that's a really fun podcast and that's coming up soon too. Um, if you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to chat to us, come over to our private Big Squid Facebook page and join up. If you'd like to recommend us to your friends, please do so. Uh, I've seen some of you doing that online and I can't thank you enough. Here's a quote from Rachel Vies that for some reason <laughs> this just made me laugh. You know, invariably I'll look for quotes that are kind of inspiring or maybe just outright funny, but this one was just a bit bizarre and I thought, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go with this. Rachel said, I have absolutely no empathy for camels. I didn't care for being abused in the Middle East by these horrible, horrible, horrible creatures. They don't like people. It's not at all like the relationship between horses and humans. (laughs) I don't know why that just really tickled me. Tough day for camels. Until then. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.